Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Wiki Shuffle, a special bonus guest episode time. We're going to be doing a bonus episode with a guest every once a month. Every once a month. Every once a month. Oh, God, I'm not good at this, am I? Hello and welcome. Don't, don't start again. Start again. <laughs> start again. Start again. Start again. It wasn't good. It's, if you make a mistake, it's funny. Leave it in. Every once a month. Every once a month. <laughs> once a month, we will be having a special guest joining us at Wiki Shuffle HQ and bringing along a Wikipedia article of their choice. I'm Philip Sharman, and the usual crew is here. Jack Stewart. All right. Enthusiastic <laughs> Jack Stewart, as he's known. Chris Wallace. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. Owen Hughes from the Failed Critics podcast. Yeah, do you want me to do a bit of a plug now? Or? Absolutely. <laughs> what else can we offer you other than five minutes of plugging? For, I haven't got five minutes worth to plug. <laughs> Basically, it's just a weekly film podcast. I mean, this whole guesting malarkey isn't new to me because that's basically how fail critics works we get different guests on the on the podcast every week to talk about films all of you guys have been on individually together at different points so um yeah it feels like i'm joining the old crowd again yeah. Back, yeah. amongst friends yeah hmm. so what's been going on fail critics lately you've had your oscars special recently we had our oscars special with paul field and andrew brooker ran through the oscar winners paul got very rude and offensive because that's what paul does but he basically made a point about the fact that at the oscars everyone was bringing another issue to talk about and it just became like a one-upmanship for mm. all the actors who were winning awards to try and outdo each other with the biggest cause. Political correctness top trumps. Yeah, essentially. Mm. So, um, of course, this rubbed Paul up the wrong way who decided to do the complete opposite and then every so often throughout that episode was just insult after insult to lots of different people. That's what's been happening on um, Bell Critics lately. Lots of offensive insults. Oh, you'll be right at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wiki Shuffle's a really nice podcast. You guys are never mean about people you think you're kidding <laughs> <laughs> oh editing oh, is that right oh, okay yeah. Yeah. while we're talking about the Oscars my two cents worth Spotlight is not a good film in <gasps> any way shape or form oh uh, it's one of my favourite films ever now I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I haven't seen it yet. It's a proper movie. It's a little bit Oscar baity, I guess, because of the topic it covers, but it's just brilliant. Performances, story. Oh, but the writing's so bad. No way! Oh, the writing's so bad. The scene with the Hulk and... Uh, <laughs> Oscar-nominated and, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, yeah. the Hulk. And uh, what's her name? Um, Rachel McAdams. Rachel yeah. McAdams, where they're on the porch outside her house and everything's all blown up and they're basically, for about five to ten minutes, just saying to each other, oh, this isn't good, is it? No, it's not good, is it? I don't know how to feel about this. No, me neither. It's terrible. <laughs> it is possibly no. the worst scene that I can remember seeing in recent memory. Overall, I didn't hate the film. It's not best picture, mm. but there were glimpses of forced worthiness that had nothing to say. And See, I really would have watched it, it, but now, because you said The Hulk, and I know it was Mark Ruffalo, <laughs> but now I'm imagining like a scene from The Notebook before like, The Hulk, <laughs> and I don't think I can watch it the same way. <laughs> so what do you think was best... Best picture worthy, bloody Mad Max. Because if you think that, you're a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd really like The Big Shot. I really like that. I the Big Shot should have won it. Really? The Big Shot was phenomenal on so many different levels. Because that's the, the big thing. I took from Spotlight as well. I didn't learn a thing from it. No? No. Not about the sort of the, the role that journalism plays. Because oh, I'm studying journalism, I find it really fascinating just to see how different the whole investigative journalism stuff is done in America. And I thought it was interesting to see them try and uncover this and, you know, the point where they get to thinking they've got a story and it's like, no, you haven't, you need to keep going further and further. And then as they dig, the story just becomes bigger and bigger. Just the way it was paced was, was fantastic. So if you're joining us for the first time, then thanks for tuning in. Just to explain what we do here, we press the random article button on Wikipedia, at least that's what we normally do. But this week, Owen has brought along some articles of his choosing. We haven't seen them yet, so hopefully they're not rubbish.
So, Owen, would you like to talk us through your reasons for choosing your first article? Okay, so <clears throat> all three-ish of the ones that I looked at, they're all kind of movie-related. I felt like I had to... Just because of where, the, you know, the podcast I'm coming from, Fire Critics, is just movie-based, so... They are sort of movie-themed, in a way, but this first one, it's not directly about a movie. So, our first article, selected by Owen Hughes, is... Casper Hauser. Casper with a K. I don't know who this is, but the picture that they got of him... I'm guessing the film reference is Benjamin Button. <laughs> <laughs> the, the film that kind of inspired me to choose this article is by Werner Herzog. It's called The Enigma of Caspar Hauser, which okay. is a film I watched last year for the first time and was, became one of my favourites of the whole year. It's just a fascinating story, but the film and the real-life Caspar Hauser story differs slightly. I love Herzog, but I've not seen this uh, film, okay. so this is, yeah, it's all new to me. On the 26th of May, 1828, a teenage boy appeared in the streets of Nuremberg, Germany. He carried a letter with him addressed to the captain of the 4th Squadron of the 6th Cavalry Regiment, Captain von Wessenig. Good Germanic name. Wessenig. Hmm. That was a good German accent, isn't it? I'm proud of myself. <laughs> well don't, be, don't be too proud of yourself, mate. It was like a Russian read in a German name. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. The header of the note read, From the Bavarian border, the place is unnamed, 1828. The anonymous author said that the boy was given into his custody as an infant on the 7th of October, 1812, and that he instructed him in reading, writing, and the Christian religion, but never let him take a single step out of my house. The letter stated that the boy would now like to be a cavalryman, as his father was, and invited the captain either to take him in or to hang him. Two options. <laughs> it's a binary system in 19th century <laughs> Germany. You either take in an orphan boy or you hang them. Get only options available to you. Mm -hmm. As we're talking about orphans, I was reading a review about a trip to North Korea. I decided that I'm going to North Korea, by the way. And this guy that was writing the review said that, the, that he went at New Year and he said that the trip took in a visit to an orphanage there. But they got to the orphanage and it was closed because all the children had gone home for New Year. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> North Korea doesn't make sense at the best of no. times, but that really doesn't make sense. I, I, don't, I don't want you to go to North Korea. I'm just going to say it now. Because I don't think you're coming back. <laughs> oh my God, I've had this from my mum. How are they going to let you into North Korea? Um, you get a train in from Beijing. But it's, a very, train. it's, it's a, a very guided tour. It's just yeah, yeah, it's they just don't you and off. Dennis Rodman. Do you I not know this. the story about Dennis Rodman? No. Dennis Rodman. <laughs> How do you not know this? I don't think I do. Oh, the tangents on this podcast are <laughs> ridiculous. What's his name, the North Korean chap? Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un is a massive, massive fan of Dennis Rodman, the 1990s basketball player with all the face jewellery and, and tattoos hair. and hair and crazy. And he basically shipped him in to be a North Korean ambassador. They're like besties now. They <laughs> are tight. Uh, what? Yeah. I've it, never heard any of this. It's <laughs> as ridiculous as it sounds. So there's all of these wow. pictures of nine-foot-tall Dennis Rodman standing next to chubby little despot. <laughs> <Kim Jong -un. laughs> he looks so happy. <laughs> if I apply for a visa, they're going to go through my podcast and they're going to listen to this and then I'm not going to get any entry. What? It's a term of endearment. It's a term of endearment. Chubby little despot. <laughs> I, I surround myself with chubby little despots. Well, they're they're like... my favourite type of person. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Right, we're in the wrong continent altogether. Let's get back to Caspar Hauser. So he's turned up with a note saying, please let me be a cavalryman like my dad was, but I've never been outside of a house before. A shoemaker named Wake... No, it's not pronounced as a W, is it? Because it's Wackman. German. <laughs> no, not that is? No. What is it? Please never leave England. <laughs> you won't come back. Isn't it a W of E? Yeah, but the anger, yeah, that was all your own. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> a shoemaker named Vakeman oh, okay. took the boy to the house of Captain von Wessenig, where he would repeat only the words, I want to be a cavalryman, as my father was, and horse, horse. Further demands elicited only tears or the obstinate proclamation of don't know. He was taken to a police station where he would write a name, Caspar Hauser. He showed that he was familiar with money, could say some prayers and read a little, but he answered few questions and his vocabulary appeared to be rather limited. He spent the following two months in Lugisland Tower in Nuremberg Castle in the care of a jailer named Andreas Hiltel. Despite what many later accounts would say, he was in good physical condition and could walk well. For example, he climbed over 90 steps to his room. I could do that. 
Doesn't mean you're in good, doesn't mean you're in good physical condition. I could easily do that. I'm not easily. <laughs> I'd be winded, but I don't know. <laughs> he was a boy of healthy facial complexion and approximately 16 years old, but appeared to be intellectually impaired. Yeah, I mean, the comparisons with you just keep on coming, <laughs> don't they, Jack? Mayor Binder, however, claimed that the boy had an excellent memory and was learning quickly. Various curious people visited him to his apparent delight. He refused all food except bread and water. A lot like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At first, it was assumed that he was raised half wild in forests. But during many conversations with Mayor Binder, Hauser told a different version of his past life, which he later also wrote down in more detail. According to this story, for as long as he could remember, he spent his life totally alone in a darkened cell about two meters long, one meter wide, and one and a half high, with only a straw bed to sleep on, and two horses and a dog carved out of wood for toys. Is that two horses in a little two meter long room? Or yeah. Two horses yeah. and a dog that were both carved out of wood. I would imagine there's no, the there's no Oxford comma, so yeah. I think mm-hmm. it means they're toys. Yeah, it's not the most beautifully written sentence. <laughs> we go on about the Oxford comma a lot on this podcast. Because it's fans. essential. We're big fans <laughs> of that. I'm not criticising. Mm-hmm. We, you this... say we go on about it a lot. You go on about it a lot. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I literally don't give a fuck. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, if Wikishuffle achieves one thing in this world, that should be a greater appreciation of the Oxford comma. Fine, if you want. Well, what, <laughs> what would you rather, Chris? What's your big ambitions for the podcast? Um, I want girls allowed to be bigger. <laughs> what, what, what? How, how do we achieve that? <laughs> you, want to, you want to fatten up girls allowed? <laughs> Lower their self-esteem so that you can snare one. Uh, I, just, I just want more pop. And how can we achieve that through this podcast? Well, we're not going to if we're banging on about the Oxford comma all the time like a bunch of nerds. <laughs> like a bunch of nerds. <laughs> I apologise for shackling you with this bunch of nerds, Owen. (laughs) He claimed that he found rye bread and water next to his bed each morning. Periodically, the water would taste bitter and drinking it would cause him to sleep more heavily than usual. On such occasions, when he awakened, his straw was changed and his hair and nails were cut. Hauser claimed that the first human being with whom he ever had contact was a mysterious man who visited him not long before his release. This man, Hauser said, taught him to write his name by leading his hand. After learning to stand and walk, he was brought to Nuremberg. Furthermore, the stranger allegedly taught him to say the phrase, I want to be a cavalryman, as my father was, but Hauser claimed that he did not understand what these words meant. This tale aroused great curiosity and made Hauser an object of international attention. Rumours arose that he was of princely parentage, possibly of Baden origin, but there were also claims that he was an imposter. Um, my money's on imposter. I think imposter. I don't think he had too bad a life, to be honest. Wish I sometimes woke up and someone had cut my nails, cut my hair. Yeah. Yeah. Funny taste in water. Yeah, you avoid all that horrible small talk, you know, because you're asleep. Get some toys. He's got his own room to himself. <laughs> Probably doesn't have to pay rent. It's <laughs> enough to share a big bed with your wife. That must be awful. He doesn't have to worry about what to have for dinner. It's always bread. And if yeah. all you ever know is bread, it's, it's all you got. So. Exactly. Are we advocating this lifestyle then? Totally. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Nobody around this desk has children, do they? <laughs> uh, you haven't seen my basement. <laughs> Seriously, if anyone's going to do that, it's going to be Chris. <laughs> what? Why? You're just a bit fritzily. I'm a bit. That's the wor- <laughs> that's the worst one you said. I'm a bit fritzily. Like, no, I don't mean that you actually would keep your daughter in a. Why well, would I do that? I don't know. It's you's done it. I'm not, I haven't done anything. Give me a reason. <laughs> of the three of you, who's the most likely to be the fritzily one? Who's the most likely to be the one abducted by the fritzily one? <laughs> Who's the most likely to be the child of the incestuous fritzily one? Why, why am I the fritzel? Because it just, like... Phil's the fritzel? <laughs> <laughs> I could see you and Phil being like a fritzel duo. The fritzel brothers. Because you like you work together, you podcast together. I could just see it We abduct people. We might... <laughs> I'm not saying, look, nobody's, no child has been abducted. There's not like, there's not an actual case here. He who smelt it dealt it. <laughs> Whoever did that the rhyme did the crime, motherfucker. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we've gone off track again. <laughs> we do that. So the story so far, it's making me hang think. Hang on, hang on. We've got a guest here. Owen can settle it. All right. Who's the most fritzly? Do I have to give an answer? <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. You yes. do, unless it's me, in which case you can no, leave. No, don't ignore him. Yes, you do. Give an answer. Who's the most fritzly? Uh, <laughs> I'm looking around the room, checking everyone's eyes. Who's got the most abducty eyes? Uh, I've got soft eyes. Chris has got soft, gentle, welcoming eyes. But you see, those could be like alluring eyes. Yeah, like pushing someone oh, into the back of like a Like tools of yeah. the trade. Yeah. yeah. You have to give an answer or we can't continue. 
Well, Jack did bring it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In your face, Fritzel. Case <laughs> solved. The story so far, it's, it's reminiscent of 2015 Oscar-nominated film, The Room. <laughs> or Room. Not the Just room. room. It's not The Room. Yes. <laughs> oh, my favourite crunch band, The Pixies. I'm, I'm dead good at films, me. Yeah, Room's very, very good. That's my professional film opinion. Professional <laughs> your, pro- your professional opinion <laughs> of how right it got it. <laughs> Technically very accurate. That's the way you want to do it. If you're going to do it, that's the way yeah. to do it. No, it, the kid escaped, so it can't be that good. Spoiler alert. <laughs> On 17th of October, 1829, Hauser did not come to the midday meal, but was found in the cellar of Dalmer's house. Dalmer is the person that he was staying with in Nuremberg but was found in the cellar of Dalmer's house bleeding from a cut wound on the forehead. He asserted that while sitting on the privy, he was attacked and wounded by a hooded man who also threatened him with the words, you still have to die ere you leave the city of Nuremberg. Hauser said that by the voice he recognised the man was the one who had brought him to Nuremberg. As was obvious from his blood trail, Hauser at first fled to the first floor where his room was, but then instead of moving on to his caretakers, he returned downstairs and climbed through a trapdoor into the cellar. Alarmed officials called for a police escort and transferred him to the care of Johann Bieberbach. The alleged attack on Hauser also fueled rumours about his possible descent from Hungary, England or the House of Baden. Hauser's critics are of the opinion that he inflicted that wound on himself with a razor which he then took back to his room before going to the cellar. He might have done so to arouse pity and thus escape chiding for a recent quarrel with Dalmer who had come to believe the boy had a tendency to lie. So from this point onwards the article just keeps referring back to this that he might be an imposter. And the film uh, that I mentioned earlier that inspired it takes the whole story as if it's completely true. So mm. it tells it as if this really happened. Is it a documentary? The... No, it's, no. A, it's an actual drama. Yeah, yeah it's, it's as if Casper was really abducted and was just released randomly into the middle of Nuremberg. To me... It sounds like bullshit straight away. Yeah. If you don't learn language by the time you're five, your capacity to learn language is mm-hmm. basically non-existent. Yeah, just look That's... at Chris. <laughs> <laughs> this is harsh. <laughs> I'm used to this now. <laughs> he said I was Fritzel, so... In self-defence. It was a self-defence <laughs> Fritzling. In April 1830, a pistol shot went off in Hauser's room at the Bieberbach's house. His escort hurriedly entered the room and found him bleeding from a wound to the right side of his head. Hauser quickly revived and stated that he climbed on a chair to get some books. The chair fell and while trying to hold on to something, he accidentally tore down the pistol hanging on the wall, causing the shots to go off. (laughs) The loaded pistol that just hangs on the wall. (laughs) That doesn't seem like good practice to me. There are doubts whether the benign wound was actually caused by the shot and some authors associate the incident with a preceding quarrel in which, again, Hauser was reproached for lying. Whatever the cause, the occurrence led the municipal authorities to come to another decision on Hauser, whose initially good relationship with the Bieberbach family had soured. In May 1830, he was transferred to the house of Baron von Tuscher, who later also complained about Hauser's exorbitant vanity and lies. Perhaps the sharpest judgment passed on Hauser was by Mrs. Bieberbach, who commented on his horrendous mendacity and art of dissimulation and called him full of vanity and spite. He sounds like one of those dickhead people you meet that says like, <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I'm really good friends with that guy that's in EastEnders. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been, I went to school with him, we're friends for years, yeah. And everybody around the rest of the table goes, no you weren't. That's not, that's not true. And he goes, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get him to text, I'll get him to like send something in. No. This seems like a very specific scenario. Yeah, isn't this related to a particular person you know, Chris? (laughs) Maybe it is. Mm. I'm looking at you, but it's not you. (laughs) I know it's not me. But you know when someone just says stuff? Even if I did know someone from EastEnders. When someone just exaggerates their life to a point where everybody knows that they're talking bullshit. Actually, I do know who I'm talking about. There was a guy who I know, and I won't say any more about it, and uh, he said to everybody that he passed his driving test. But in actual fact, he hadn't passed the driving test. And he kept this lie up for months and months and months, until the one point, one of the girls that I worked with said to him, where's, where's your car? He's like, oh, it's been in the garage and stuff. It's been in the garage for six months. And she broke him down and he says, I didn't, I didn't actually pass my driving test. <laughs> That's the sort of person. So what have they been doing each day? 
Like getting a lift in. You'd be getting a lift in and just lying that he's passed his driving test. That's such a weird thing That's to so lie about so as well. But this it? is the same person really that turned sad. up to work with a briefcase full of quavers. So. <laughs> what? That's, uh, a more, that's a better anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> Who turns up with a briefcase full of quavers? This guy. Crisps, quavers as well. Yeah. yeah. Turns up with a briefcase just full of crisps. He does that. <laughs> Me, I thought probably. you. Yeah, <laughs> I really like crisps. Not quavers though. They're probably my least favourite. Yeah, my least favourite. I think well. they're my least favourite crisps. They're awful. Who are quavers for? They're for toddlers. They're Idiot for yeah. babies. Yeah, yeah. yeah fair skips. No, skips, skips are, are nice. Skips are good. Skips. Uh, we've, I think we've had this we conversation. Did, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, skips are nice. I like skips. <laughs> Oh, how many conversations can you have about <laughs> it's quavers and skips? Yeah, it comes up quite frequently. This is the second week in a row that we've mentioned quavers on the podcast. We were talking about the Daily Sport last week, oh, and yeah. there was someone who sucked off dogs for quavers. That's, that's who quavers for. That's who quavers for. <laughs> 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 to take away the taste of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, just more cheese. It's not going to happen. How have we got here? Is that my fault? I don't know. <laughs> So, yeah, it seems like he's one of those people that just lie. You know what I mean? Just a help lying. And consistent that, liar yeah, that yeah. gets to a point where they've made up so many lies, they can't go back, so they just keep going to the point where he's got a Ferrari and a briefcase full of crisps. <laughs> None of these things exist, except the briefcase full of crisps. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great analogy. Uh, it's like being on Newsnight. <laughs> It is a little bit like, though, he probably just wanted to get into the cavalry and made up this lie, like, you're going to have to take me into the cavalry or you're going to have to hang me. And yeah. they ain't going to hang me. And that's, it was just like, yeah. it just spiraled from there. Yeah. That's, that's a, a much better, way better explanation <laughs> than whatever the briefcase full of Quaver story was. Your idea, that definitely bears weight. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> Everything has to be related to crisps. That's what's wrong with me. British nobleman Lord Stanhope took an interest in Hauser and gained custody of him in late 1831. He spent a great deal of money attempting to clarify Hauser's origin. In particular, he paid for two visits to Hungary, as Hauser seems to remember some Hungarian words. Stanhope later declared that the complete failure of these inquiries led him to doubt Hauser's credibility. In December 1831, he transferred Hauser to Ansbach to the care of a schoolmaster named Johann George Meyer, and in January 1832, Stanhope left Hauser for good. After Hauser's death, Stanhope published a book in which he presented all known evidence against Hauser, taking it as his duty to openly confess that I had been deceived. Followers of Hauser suspect Stanhope of ulterior motives and connections to the House of Baden, but academic historiography defends him as a philanthropist, a pious man, and a seeker of truth. So this knows all about the conspiracy. So was he actually like the son or related to this famous family who tried to hide him? And then this Stanhope is connected to this family and is just yeah. part of the conspiracy again? Or is it just even more bullshit to make people fall for the story? It's bullshit breeds more bullshit, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And we talked about this when we've done conspiracy theories in the past, mm. that people are just desperate to fill in that vacuum of information with whatever is closest to hand, mm. irrespective of how audacious and preposterous it is. Schoolmaster Mayer, a strict and pedantic man, disliked Hauser's many excuses and apparent lies, and their relationship was thus rather strained. In late 1832, Hauser was employed as a copyist in the local law office. Still hoping that Stanhope would take him to England, he was very dissatisfied with his situation, which deteriorated further when his patron, Anshelm von Fruerbach, died in May 1833. This certainly was a grievous loss to him. Some authors, however, point out that Fruerbach, by the end of his life had lost faith in Hauser, writing a note to be found in his legacy which read, Caspar Hauser is a smart, scheming codger, a rogue, a good-for-nothing that ought to be killed. <laughs> Whoa! That's a bit over the top. Easy there. <laughs> But there is no indication that Feuerbach, already seriously ill, let Hauser feel this change of opinion. Don't keep it bottled up. Mm. Mm. Share your feelings if you think the person that you're responsible for ought to be murdered in their sleep. It's a scheming codger. Yeah. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> On 9th of December 1833, Hauser had a serious argument with Mayer. Lord Stanhope was expected to visit Ansbach at Christmas and Mayer said that he did not know how he would face him. Five days later, on 14th of December 1833, Hauser came home with a deep wound in his left breast. He said that he was lured to the Ansbach Court Garden and that a stranger stabbed him there while giving him a bag. When policeman Herlein searched the court garden, he found a small violet purse containing a penciled note in Spiegelschrift, mirror writing. The message read in German, 
Hauser will be able to tell you quite precisely how I look and from where I am. To save Hauser the efforts, I want to tell you myself from where I come. I come from from the Bavarian border, on the river. I will even tell you the name. M-L-O. This reminds me of that film Zodiac. Does it? It's that sort of, like, <laughs> thing. Big clues, but nobody but ever But no one ever finds out. Yeah. There's rumours that it was um, your man. Your man? The Zodiac killer. Which man's this, then? The awful Republican guy in the Republican Narrow race that's not down. Donald Trump. Ted Cruz? No. Ted, uh, yeah. No. Are you saying One Ted of them. Cruz is the Zodiac, Zodiac killer? killer. <laughs> yeah. This is a conspiracy. I mean, that's... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. He'd have been about ten, wouldn't he? <laughs> I mean, I'm all for smearing the name of the Republican nominees, but come on. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just say that Ted Cruz is the Zodiac killer without having any backing. One sec. <laughs> the public policy polling in Florida found that 38% of Florida voters think it's possible that Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer. (laughs) (laughs) The infamous Bay Area homicides occurred in 1968 and 1969, and Cruz was born in 1970. (laughs) (laughs) As yet, though, Ted Cruz hasn't gone on record saying that he's not the Zodiac, so... (laughs) Well, there you go. The jury's Mm. out. Mm. And look, there's a photo fit. Uh, I've seen that. So it's, you know... He does look... They're both men. If I know anyone. he wasn't born, but... Mm. All right, I believe it. I don't know that guy, though. I have a good story, as far as I'm concerned. So, he's turned up with a suspicious note and a breast-stabbing. He died of his wound on the 17th of December, 1833. So, if this one was self-inflicted, he's got a bit carried away here. Well, this is how, what happens when you do lies. Rolling out of control and then you end up stabbing yourself in your left breast. Inconsistencies in Hauser's account led to the Ansbach Court of Inquiry to suspect that he stabbed himself and invented a tale about being attacked. The note in the purse that was found in the court (laughs) garden contained one spelling error and one grammatical error, both of which were typical for Hauser, who, on his deathbed, kept muttering incoherences about writing with pencil. Although he was very eager that the purse be found, he did not ask for its contents. The note itself was folded in a specific triangular form, just the way Hauser used to fold his letters, according to Mrs. Meyer. Forensic doctors agreed that the wound could indeed be self-inflicted. Many authors believe that he wounded himself in a bid to revive public interest in his story and to convince Stanhope to fulfil his promise to take him to England, but that he stabbed himself more deeply than he planned. (laughs) See, in my head, I'm thinking it's like, right, I've got this idea, I'll get myself back to him, it's fine. And he goes into wherever he's going, he's got his knife and his little note, stabs himself and thinks, oh, I fucked it. <laughs> Starts bleeding out. But you wouldn't choose your your heart area, would you? Well, he's got he's got too far. He can't just like pretend to shoot himself. He's got to make it look real. He's just not very good at it. Straight yeah. in the ventricle. Yep. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has all gone wrong. Just I mean, in... the note was a diamond idea, but this. <laughs> It just plays into the idea, though, that there is a conspiracy. Someone could have made the note to look like he'd written it yeah. himself, stabbed him actually in the heart. Oh, it's yeah. good that Owen's here to take the side of the conspiracy theory because it means, Chris, you get to look less like an idiot this week. <laughs> yeah. I get to look like the idiot this week. Yeah. Hauser was buried in the city cemetery in Ansbach where his headstone reads in Latin, Here lies Caspar Hauser, riddle of his time. His birth was unknown, his death mysterious. That's quite pretty a good cool, headstone. isn't it? Yeah, That's yeah, a pretty cool headstone. I wouldn't mind one of them. Like, something like that. It'll just, mine will just say, had too many chicken nuggets. <laughs> something like that. Riddle of his time. Too many <laughs> yeah. Not enough time. According to contemporary rumours, probably current as early as 1829, Caspar Hauser was the hereditary prince of Baden who was born on the 29th of September, 1812, and who, according to known history, died on the 16th of October, 1812. It was alleged that this prince was switched with a dying baby and subsequently surfaced 16 years later as Caspar Hauser in Nuremberg. I mean, it's not beyond the... I know it's like taking the piss out of conspiracies, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility for there to be a royal cover-up of something like this, is there? We have plenty in this country. Look at Princess Di. What? What? <laughs> Princess Di? She no, died I'm... in a tunnel! <laughs> yeah. 
If this was the case, his parents would have been Charles, Grand Duke of Baden, and Stephanie de Bauherne, cousin by marriage and adopted daughter of Napoleon. Because Charles had no surviving male progeny, his successor was his uncle Louis, who was later succeeded by his half-brother Leopold. Leopold's mother, the Countess of Hochberg, was the alleged culprit of the boy's captivity. The Countess was supposed to have disguised herself as a ghost, the White Lady, when kidnapping the prince. Her motive evidently would have been to secure the succession for her sons. After Hauser's death, it was claimed further that he was murdered, again because of his being the prince. Then that's where the conspiracy falls through <laughs> the floor, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, A, why would you just lock him away in a dungeon rather than yeah. just kill him? It seems like from the amount of cultural references and film and television references that it lists, it seems like this is a much bigger story in Germany, which would explain why we've not heard of yeah, it. Yeah, I would suspect so. But the, the film itself, like I said earlier, it, it takes it very literal, as in this is definitely this is what, what happened, happened and this is how the story is, is told. And it's a really, just a bloody good film as well. I do like the original title, Every Man for Himself and God Against All. I think that's a bit better than The Enigma of Caspar Hauser. And it's just Werner Herzog, isn't it? He's just one of the best filmmakers around, ever, probably. Some of the films he's directed, particularly these ones with Bruno S., the guy who plays Casper mm-hmm. Hoser. Because the, the actor who plays him was also known for being a bit crazy. He had uh, his own sort of mental traumas and difficulties and things. And there was like the stuff like before shooting some scenes, Bruno S would just go into a, a corner and just scream loudly before they went and shot films because he just couldn't take the. That's what Jack says before we do this. <laughs> I wondered what that noise was as I was walking up the fire escape. I was like, what is that? Is that the Wicked Shuffle? <laughs> they're doing the intro now already um, have you seen Werner Herzog eats his own shoe I have yes it's a good 45 minutes it's, it's worth it I mean it is just like him that. eating a shoe really yep he lost a bet he actually eats his shoe but he did yeah he ate a shoe he boiled it and then scoffed it well yeah you don't want to eat it raw it's not an animal okay article number two Owen what was your thinking here Again, trying to think of something movie-related, which just wasn't just a movie, is The Superman Curse. Have you heard of this? Do you know of it? Yes. (laughs) Again, it kind of thematically with the last one is a bit conspiracy-ish. And mostly bullshit, but it's fun to read about. (laughs) It is fun to look at other people's idea of what the truth may be, when obviously (laughs) there's there's no truth to be had. The Superman curse refers to a series of supposedly related misfortunes that have plagued creative people involved in adaptations of Superman in various media, particularly actors who have played the role of Superman on film and television. It's best bearing in mind, like, Superman is from, like, the 40s or something? Something like that? Yeah, before that even. And And it just says creative people, so we're talking... Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people <laughs> yeah. who've been involved in Superman. From the 1940s. From the 1940s. Who <laughs> <laughs> yeah. may have died. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these are just absolutely ludicrous. How they can be like linked to any kind of curse is just hilarious. But some of them... I'm not saying it's real, Phil, but you know, you may question your own beliefs. I'm open-minded man, <laughs> and if you provide me with evidence, statistical evidence, that oh, something concrete. that misses... It's okay, just well, to concrete. It's I'm, indisputable. I'm willing to have my opinion changed. <laughs> the curse is often invoked whenever misfortune is experienced by actors and other personnel who work on Superman adaptations, so much so that some talent agents cite the curse as the reasons for the difficulty in casting actors in the role in live-action feature films. Would any of you guys be Superman, knowing yes. that there's a curse? Yeah. Yes, I would be Superman now. <laughs> yeah. yeah Henry well. Cavill, get get rid. Yeah. Well, I'm you won't have to wait long. You'll probably be killed. Yeah. <laughs> I would not like to see you in Lycra. Uh, well, you could if you wanted. No, I don't. Well, that's why I said I don't. <laughs> that's for the the movie executives to decide. Superman has to like be strong. I'm strong. I'm strong in the way <laughs> the same way. Um, Zankief off Street Fighter is. <laughs> it's just really big, and you just go. Arr! It's interesting that you associate yourself with Zankief. Yeah, I have all of them. Him or Blanca. <laughs> <laughs> Lost on the, you. Is that the Spanish one with the knife hands? Who was the? Spanish no, that was that the was the hands? green monster. <laughs> the green monster was Blanca. Vega was the one with. Vega, the, yeah, 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 that's who I most associate mask. myself with. 
for some reason. Deceased Superman actors who allegedly became victims of the curse. The following actors who played Superman have sometimes been cited as victims of the Superman curse. Only sometimes. Only by whack jobs (laughs) is what that reads. Sensible people just realise. Well, this is weird because we were talking about a curse earlier. Aaron Ramsey. Oh, yeah? Yes, Um, explain the Aaron Ramsey curse. Aaron Ramsey, the Arsenal footballer. Mm. Every time he scores a goal, a major celebrity seems to die the very next day. So it started in May 2011 when Osama bin Laden died the day after Ramsey scored. Steve Jobs, Colonel Gaddafi, Whitney Houston, Paul Walker, Robin Williams, David Bowie and Alan Rickman. And as of this moment, even though this isn't going out until next Friday, Aaron Ramsey has scored a goal today. So tomorrow expect a celebrity death. Henry Cavill. Colliding. Oh my God. Can you imagine? (laughs) And then I take on the mantle. (laughs) No. (laughs) So yeah, if you're listening to this next week, which you will be if you're listening at all, (laughs) then if anyone died on Sunday, you can blame Aaron Ramsey. And look forward to the trailer for Man of Steel 3. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'll be there. (laughs) Yeah, because you are next in line to the throne. We'll see see what happens tomorrow. If if Henry Cavill dies tomorrow... (laughs) I'm going to freak out. <laughs> Me too. I'm going to have to move. Go, go. <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> Kirk Allen. Kirk Allen played Superman in two low-budget 1940s serials but failed to find work afterwards because he was too closely identified with the role and was relegated to voiceovers, commercials and uncredited screen roles. He later appeared as Lois Lane's father in the 1978 Superman film. Alice suffered from Alzheimer's disease later in his life and died in 1999 at the age of 88. Cash, cash. <laughs> Very tenuous, that one. I'll give you that. Well, I think that it's saying that he he was too closely identified. So he'd been typecast and couldn't yeah. get any more work. But yeah. so I'll take a curse that lets me live to 88. I'll, I'll have one of them. That'll be fine. And you get to be Superman. Bud Collier. Bud Collier voiced the first Superman cartoon from 1941 to 1943. He went on to enjoy a career in TV, hosting the game show To Tell the Truth. He returned to Superman by voicing the new adventures of Superman for CBS in 1966. Three years later, he was dead of a circulatory ailment at the age of 61. Curse. This <laughs> again. See, it's concrete, this. That's what I'm saying. Old man. How could you dispute this? A 61-year-old man dies of a heart attack. It must be. It's unheard of. The <laughs> Lee Quigley played Superman as a baby in the 1978 film, and he died in 1991 at the age of 14 due to solvent abuse. Not a curse. Not a curse. Just directly sniffing glue. Resulting, no, directly <laughs> resulting from being Superman. Direct consequence. Oh, was it? Mm. Okay, I'm on board then. George Reeves played Superman in the 1951 film Superman and the Mole Men. Had they run out of ideas by 1951? <laughs> The Mole Men. And the ensuing television series, Adventures of Superman. Like Alan and Reeve, he was too closely associated with the role to find further work. On June 16th, 1959, days before he was to be married, Reeves was found dead of a gunshot wound at his home with his Luger near him. The death was ruled a suicide. Who was what, Lex Luger? (laughs) (laughs) Jokes, 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 jokes. He was body slammed to to death. (laughs) That was a big risk for me because I wasn't sure when I was saying it that Lex Luger was a Superman thing. <laughs> no, you were right. And that was a good joke. Well Thanks. done. Thanks, guys. Well done. Actual joke. I'm a true geek. The death was ruled a suicide, but controversy surrounds the death as Reeves' fingerprints were never found on the gun and he had been having an affair with the wife of MGM exec Eddie Mannix. It was Reeves' death that inspired the conspiracy theories and the urban legend of a curse associated with the character. And then they retroactively fit all the other ones to the case. <laughs> yeah. Very tenuously. Yeah. Christopher Reeve. I'm tempted to call him Christopher Reeves because my friend Christian is the biggest Superman fan in the world and he gets so angry when everyone <laughs> calls him Christopher Reeves that it's really fun to do. Yeah. <laughs> so Christopher Reeves played Superman and Clark Kent in the Superman film series Superman the Movie in 1978, Superman 2 in 1980 and Superman 3 in 1983 and Superman 4 for the quest for peace in 1987. Like Kirk Allen, Reeve was so closely identified with the character that it was difficult for him to acquire lead parts in other films and was largely relegated to Superman sequels and supporting roles. Which is really weird because Christopher Reeve was... Um, Christopher Reeves. But he was like a... I don't know why he would be typecast. Because he was a good actor. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the way he insisted on having that little kiss curl on his forehead in every audition. What he went it was, to and going in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't help his you own can't cause. Be anything really, other than yeah. Superman. If you're gonna turn up to auditions wearing a cape, 
<laughs> then just you're flew not doing into the room every time. Yeah, and not wires. doing yourself any favors. Yeah. <laughs> the actor was paralyzed from the neck down after being thrown from his horse in a cross-country equestrian riding event in May 1995. Reeve died in October 2004 due to heart failure stemming from his medical condition. It was a slow working curse that yeah. time. Yeah. It took a while. The curse yeah. was really mean that time, rather than just the others. The just other. a random just circulatory uh, disease. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to make light of it because Christopher Reeve, by every account available oh, yeah. in the known universe, was one of humanity's greatest human beings. Oh, yeah. He seems to have been just the nicest man ever to mm. have lived. Mm -hmm. And it was incredibly sad what happened to him. Right handsome bastard as well. And oh, yeah. a right handsome mm. bastard. And he didn't he. Like, didn't he have a role in the TV show? Smallville. Smallville, he did. He, did. he, he had a role in that. When he was, like, in his chair yeah. and stuff, he was, like, he was ill. Um, but he kept it going. He was a scientist who discovered kryptonite, I think. Don't look it's to anybody around this table for any encouragement <laughs> with plot points from okay. Smallville. Just me. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even help you with that one. Oh, yeah, I know he was in it. No, we do know who is the biggest nerd in the room. <laughs> Other alleged victims, Marlon Brando, played Jor-El in the 1978 film, is cited due to the misfortune he suffered in his private life, such as his son Christian shooting off his half-sister Cheyenne's boyfriend in 1990 and subsequent decade-long imprisonment, Brando's own admission in court he had failed his son and daughter, his daughter's 1995 suicide and his later reclusiveness. He died in 2004, about four months before his Superman co-star Christopher Reeve. But Marlon Brando was on the path to self destruction way before he was in Superman. Way before. Way before. Yeah. 20 odd years before. Uh -huh. This is only alleged victims though, you know. It's only oh, right. All right. All the, the, the others were actual, uh, actual, right, actual yeah, victims. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Margot Kidder, the alive and well Margot Kidder. Is that that one, yeah? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Margot Kidder, who plays Superman's love interest Lois Lane opposite Christopher Reeve, suffers from intense bipolar disorder. In April 1996, she went missing for several days and was found by police in a paranoid, delusional state. Kidder dismisses the notion of a curse, remarking in a 2002 interview, that is all newspaper-created rubbish. The idea cracks me up. What about the luck of Superman? When my car crashed in August, if I hadn't hit a telegraph pole after rolling three times, <laughs> I would have dropped down 50 foot to a 60 foot ravine. Why don't people focus on that? Yeah, how much more lucky can you get <laughs> yeah. than being in a car accident and hitting a telegraph pole? <laughs> and if she'd rolled off, Superman would have caught the car before it hit the ground anyway, so what's and the problem? if she did, he'd just fly around the world yeah, backwards. And the luck of Superman in the immense fame and wealth that it brought to all of those mm. actors, and we know who they are now, in many cases, <laughs> decades after their death. Comedian Richard Pryor, who had previously suffered from a drug addiction that led to a near-fatal suicide attempt, starred as villain Gus Gorman in 1983's Superman 3, but later took Superman's side near the end of the movie and became a hero. Three years later, he announced he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. He died of cardiac arrest on December 10th, 2005, at the age of 65. This is Heart attack in his 60s. Yeah. yeah after living quite a life. Yeah, and no quite, but quite a drug addicted years, life. Only three years after being in no, the cash well, doesn't well, take yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> if it was four years, yeah. fair enough. The it's fact bullshit. that I mentioned exactly. that so I might be a man of steel free now, I am a, a, I might be a victim of the cast. Exactly. Maybe tomorrow, maybe in 70 years' time. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's because of the cast. It's kind of just a curse of living. Bad, <laughs> shit, bad shit is going to happen. If you look at yeah. anyone's life, there's going to be bad shit. I mean, the Yours especially, so much bad shit. <laughs> you ought to get that checked out. I said the word Superman quite a few times today. I'm a bit worried now. Well, curse yeah. is on you now. I'm going to say yeah. three times into a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> the curse was invoked after three people involved in the creation of the Superman Returns DVD suffered injuries, one of whom fell down a flight of stairs, <laughs> another was mugged and beaten up, and a third smashed into a glass window. Director Brian Singer remarked, my DVD crew absorbed the curse for us. Shut up, Brian Singer, you're being an idiot. <laughs> and have you never seen how many people are listed on the credits of a film? Yeah, there's a, there's a fair yeah. bit. A phenomenal number. This isn't how statistics and probability work. <laughs> oh my god, you have to read out the Kate Bosworth one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is the best one of the lot. And this is just irrefutable, mate. That's the one. Kate Bosworth played Lois Lane in Superman Returns. Although she did not suffer any physical attacks, accidents or illnesses, she lost her romantic relationship with actor Orlando Bloom in 2006, which she blamed on the Superman curse. Must be. Must be. Yeah. 
I really quite like that because she was obviously joking and that's quite funny. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think Orlando Bloom feels the same way? It was the curse. Sorry, Kate. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, she's going out with Katy Perry now. He is. Superman actors not generally believed to have become victims of the curse. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dean Kane, who became a household name in the mid-1990s for his portrayal of Superman Clark Kent in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. God, that was terrible. Went on to have I other... I See, now this is a generation thing. Yeah. We were really young when that was on. It was that like that and The Simpsons on BBC Two. No, that was on before Live and Kicking. Oh yeah, like no, yeah, but it was <laughs> also on. <laughs> that was when we used to get up. Yeah. At this time, Phil was like, he was down the mines doing whatever he was doing. <laughs> 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 we, we were eating our like Cheerios and stuff. Yeah, watching that like eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, Saturday Kitchen. That was not a thing. Let's talk about old things that we remember, yeah. Phil. Yeah, I love it when that happens. Yeah, yeah. So don't worry, Dean Kane's fine. Great, that's good. <laughs> don't worry, Brandon Routh. Also, so right. also fine, yeah. Mm-hmm. He dismisses the notion of the curse, stating that what occurs to one person or set of people will not necessarily occur to everyone and that he does not live his life in fear. Good for him. Brave Brandon <laughs> Ralph, <laughs> yeah. as I shall forever know him now. He's, a, he's just a brave man. I mean, Bob Holiday. Never even heard of him. Bob yeah. Holiday played Superman on Broadway in the 1960s musical It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. I don't think that's the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bird. <laughs> it's a plane. It is Superman. That really isn't the phrase. It's all three. <laughs> and he called the idea of a Superman curse silly. He states that nothing but good has come from playing Superman. Yeah. Not as much good as anybody else on the list, since nobody here has heard of him. <laughs> Henry Cavill, who plays Superman in the 2013 film Man of Steel and the 2016 sequel Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, he said that he does not believe there is a Superman curse and the incidents thought to be evidence of it are explained by bad luck. Aww. But There's a so little bit after... Tom Welling. Tom Welling. It just says Tom Welling and there's nothing else. It's a placeholder. At the minute, nothing's said to have happened to him. But... He might move up. Yeah. Um, So, as there's Superman v Batman, is the curse going to cross over to Batman? What, you reckon Ben Affleck's going to die in 40 years of a heart attack? (laughs) Maybe. You never know. He might never get another Best Director Oscar. See also Hollywoodland, the Poltergeist curse, and the Kennedy curse. Uh, which is from Neighbours again, I think. Mm. It is, yeah, because Susan has MS now, mm-hmm. Neighbours. Um, Libby was was replaced by another actress because she got ill in real life. I love your level of Neighbours knowledge. It really <laughs> is staggering. Billy Kennedy was in-house, but hasn't really done anything since. Oh, he was, wasn't he? Mal- Malcolm Kennedy, he still, co- he still appears in Neighbours, so his career isn't mm. going great. What's Holly Valance do now? She wasn't a Kennedy. She wasn't a Kennedy, you idiot. Sorry. <laughs> Who is she? She was a Scully. Oh, of course. Felicity Scully, sister of Steph and Michelle. I remember Steph. Daughter of Lynn and Joe. the one that had the motorbike, wasn't it? Yeah, and the leathers, yeah. Staggering. (laughs) I really, really liked Neighbours. For the first 20 years of my life, I never missed an episode of Neighbours. Genuinely, sometimes I'd watch it twice if I was in. (laughs) I'd watch it at lunchtime and then at tea time. You're such an enigma. (laughs) <laughs> what's wrong with like a neighbours nothing but he calls anyone that likes like superhero films or anything like that they're nerds but this stupid and lame this in-depth knowledge of wrestling and neighbours <laughs> surely and that ca- and Eurovision surely that counts for something on another level a whole different do you know what level. it counts for people are always calling me pretentious and old jack you only like that because it's not popular and all that sort of mm. shit but oh this is your like but oh, look, look at all my other interests. These are yeah. other things. Right? Look yeah. at this shit that I like. <laughs> it can't be true. Anyway, yeah, any neighbours' questions, I'll, I'll probably answer. Thank you, Owen, for That's that nice. selection. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a blast. Now, it turns out we've got some time to kill, so we're going to record some more, but we're done for this week's episode, and we're going to release a second bonus this time next week. So keep your ears open for that. In the meantime, Owen, Mm -hmm. would you like to give the listeners a little reminder of where they can find the rest of your stuff? Yes, so if you go to failedcritics.com, you can find all the written articles that we've got up there for myself and sort of various writers we have for the website. You can also find all of our podcast episodes. We're rapidly approaching our 200th episode 
of the Bow Critics podcast. How, how many hours is that going to be? The, yeah, was it the, 150th, 50th episode that was five hours long? 150th was five hours. I listened to every minute of that. You are probably the only person who did. <laughs> <laughs> it got quite rambly towards the end. Because like, I think it was about three in the morning when you were recording. It was. It. We started at like nine o'clock recording that. And Steve was just like, this is what, we're going to be doing this for two and a half hours? Because I've got to go to bed, I've got work in the morning. And we're like, it, it might go a little bit longer. It might just run a little bit longer. And then, yeah, we were up until like 3am recording it. So the five hours is post-edit. I edited wow, out about an hour and 10, 15 minutes worth of stuff. <laughs> yeah. It was good, it was entertaining. Um, <laughs> uh, um, so I'm expecting seven or eight hours. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just pull out an entire like season of podcasts. <laughs> In one go. And um, it's starting to become a little bit of a, a stable of podcasts now. Uh, yeah, I guess it is. Because um, Underground Nights goes out there every so often, six to eight weeks. Those are probably going out with Paul Field and uh, James Mullinger. An actual, like, proper professional stand-up comedian. Makes his living from doing it. And Front Row is another podcast that I am on, um, which is just like a chunk of the radio show that I do for Books 101 Radio. That's where you can find me and my stuff. I did. I, I listened to the latest one, and he mentioned a lot about Man City and Liverpool and the League Cup final, yeah. um, but barely any mention of Leicester. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, I think it's kind of showing that <laughs> you think the fact that Leicester didn't really particularly do anything new this week, but are still top of the league, is more important news than the League Cup final. It I is. would dispute that, having seen my team, Birmingham City, win the League Cup final within the past few years. No. I mean, <laughs> sure, it was great when Birmingham won the League Cup, but it's not really like winning the league, is it? Well, they haven't won and it yet, Leicester. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no. Fight, fight, fight. <laughs> not yet, but whatever is the front story or the top story on BBC News right now, Leicester City is more important than it. <laughs> um, Osborne drops pension tax plans. Oh, yeah. Who cares? Leicester's more important. Seized turkey paper laments dark days. Who cares? Uh-huh. And Murdoch and Hall celebrate wedding. Oh, wait, no, wait, what's this one? Henry Cavill dead in a <laughs> Superman-related accident. Oh, boy. I am off. <laughs> You're off? Yeah. To yeah, be Superman. Oh, to be Superman, yeah. It's time. So, follow us on Twitter at WikiShufflePods. Send us a postcard, WikiShuffleHQ, 1B, Headlands, Kettering, NN, 157ER, and we will send you a postcard back if you send us your address. Follow Jack on Instagram. Follow Jack on Instagram. Duke Stevens, J-O-O-K-S-T-E-V-E-N-S, right? Chris, Chris Wallace, one, two, three on Twitter. And I'm at P.E. Sharman. We will see you for our regular episode on Tuesday. I'm back for another bonus episode with more from Owen this time next week. Bye. 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 Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.